Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 235, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And I imagine you will. It's going to be draft-heavy as the Cowboys have wrapped up round one of the draft, the NFL, all the wheeling and dealing, all the picks, some surprises, some stunning moves throughout the course of the first round. We'll go through it all here and talk a little Mavs as they are moving on to, to the second round of the NBA playoffs. But before we do that, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, I don't know why it feels like bad car wrecks happen on the weekend. Maybe people are out and about more doing stupid crap. Write this number down, 972-934-8900. That is the number for the attorneys, Robert Greening and his green team at Greening Law. If that car accident happens this weekend, if you're out and about and and you get injured on the premises of a business, you're going to want that number because Monday, that'll be your first call so they can be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. You know, Matt just gave you the number. It doesn't cost you anything, not a nickel, not a dime, not a penny, to pick up the phone and say, hey, green team, here's my situation. Can you guys help me? If they bring you on as a client, well, then, hey, it's all good for you. Uh, Matt can tell you. They answer questions that you didn't know were supposed to be asked. They keep you informed. They keep you up to date. They walk you through a process, you know, which we all know can be a complicated trying process, but they walk you through it and give you the best chance to succeed. And then they don't get paid unless you get paid, which I always think is the greatest of all motivators. It's fantastic. Again, the number 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Texas, oh, those Dallas Cowboys. Look, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I, I don't know if anybody liked the pick. Other than Jerry Jones, who wanted everybody to know that Tyler Smith, the tackle from Tulsa, was rated higher on their board than Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green or guys like that, that they had him rated 16th and and I, awesome, but Tyler Smith was the pick in the first round. Again, he is going to play guard for the Cowboys, and he should slide right in because they got rid of a guy who committed a god-awful, atrocious amount of penalties, and they're replacing him with a rookie who commits a god-awful, atrocious amount of penalties. Okay. Um, this was an interesting pick to me because they talked all about his, his upside and he can eventually take over for Tyron Smith and all of that. And, of course, you want to know, you know, what about this year? <laughs> but here's the deal. Now, I want you to know, Matt, this is twice within one week. Twice. Because it doesn't usually happen. That your boy has been the voice of reason. First off, when the Mavericks got down 0-1-0 and Lucas out, I was like, hey, let's just... See how it plays out. I'm not so convinced that the Jazz are so much better than the Mavs that the Mavs can't do some things. I don't care what's happened in the past. So, now I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was thrilled with this pick. I thought, you know, maybe they take Johnson, the defensive end out of Florida State. Maybe they take Devin Lloyd, you know, whatever. Maybe they take uh, the defensive end from Purdue. But here's what I know. Will McClay is good at the draft. Since he took over the draft, in the first round, Taco Trout, I think, is the only miss they've had. 
and you are entitled to miss here and there. So they missed on Taco Charlton. Since Will McClay took over the draft, they've been pretty good at drafting offensive linemen at the top. Well, I mean, you got Zach Martin. You got Travis Frederick. All right. But the other thing, bro, is this. If you trust Will McClay, and that's all we're talking about. We're not talking about Jerry. We're not talking about Steven. Will McClay puts the draft board together. If you trust Will McClay and you trust his track record, and your stomach, get, your stomach gets in knots every time you hear there's a GM job over there. Oh, my God, I hope Will McClay doesn't leave. Um, then you got to trust this pick and that he knows what he's doing because he has a history and a track record of success. That's all you can do because uh, if you look at the pick, you go, really? A guy from Tulsa, most of us never heard of until a week or two ago, if that. And when you look at the Cowboys record, dude, they don't really draft guys from small schools. And, yes, I consider Tulsa a small school because they're more of a group of five. And then the last thing, bro, is that I once asked Will about this, and he basically said, for me to take a guy for a small school, you got to walk on water. So I think that's what you can expect at some point. At some point, yes, and I think that that's the big problem here is this is a guy who he literally turned 21 earlier this month. He's very, very young. He's very, very raw. You read everything you read about this guy, like, for instance, Dane Brugler, who does the draft guide for The Athletic. I mean, it, it, they call it the beast. It's this big seven-round. I mean, he breaks down a ton of guys. He had this to say about Tyler Smith, that Smith is incredibly raw, has the play strength and physical traits to get significantly better with technical and mental development. There is a sizable gap between where he is now and his ceiling as a potential NFL starter and will require a patient coaching staff ready for a project. But it's not just him. Like a lot of these, and again, NFL teams don't give a rat's ass what anybody else does. And these guys, that get paid to do this. They're not getting paid by NFL teams. Nobody that the Cowboys pay is coming out and saying this. But you look at all these draft prognosticators that do this for a living, and pretty much all of them kind of, it's not that they think this is a a bad pick. Outside of a couple of guys who go, oh, I had a third-round grade on him. I was like, and there's a reason why nobody's paying you to do this. But <laughs> I'm just saying. But it, it, it's one of those things where pretty much everybody you look at had him in you know that 40-ish range. Which in a draft like this, again, if the Cowboys didn't feel like they could trade down and have the, the opportunity for this guy that they love, apparently, to still be there, you had to take him at 24. But I think there has to be the understanding this is a project. This is a guy, pretty much anybody you read who breaks down Tyler Smith talks about he is aggressive, he's physical, the traits are there, but he needs a lot of work. Now, I wonder if he'll be less of a project at guard than you will be at tackle where you're out there on the island out there playing in space obviously at guard you're in between it's mm. tight conference you know defensive tackles can't get away from you you're there where you can get your hands on them and do what you need to do so i wonder if that will slow some of the learning curve down you know the other thing is that uh, i think that they think playing you know next to tyron smith and with uh, philbin as their offensive line coach who's well respected that they can help accelerate that um, but I'm always curious because Mike McCarthy talked about it last night is, well, you know, we work on fundamentals and technique. And it would be interesting once, it's, once it settles to hear, okay, he had 16 penalties, 12 accepted, I think. All right, what's, what was the deal on those? And if they can break them down and go, mm -hmm. well, you know, a simple technique change here, and instead of 16, he has seven. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but the, uh, the concern is there as it should be. Yeah, I mean, that's 12 holding calls in 12 games is quite a lot. At, and you At know, that level. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a lot to me. I don't know. Maybe 12 holding calls in 12 games playing for Tulsa seems like a colossal amount of penalties when you are replacing a guy on the line in Connor Williams who had a colossal amount of penalties. You know, and, and McCarthy kind of talked about that a little bit, too, and said, obviously, you got to cut down on that. He said, we need to focus on penalties. That was already stuff they're doing in their offseason program as far as the emphasis. So Tyler will be a part of the program when he gets here. I don't have any concerns. We'll see. It, it's, again, 
I think because some of those names that we were more familiar with, some of the names we knew they had brought in on their pre-30 list that they had spent probably a little bit more time with than they did with Tyler Smith. And, and Smith, they did spend time with. They didn't have a lot of contact with him, but Philbin, or not Philbin, uh, Blasco worked him out, had a private workout with him. He's the assistant offensive line coach. And Phil, Philbin went up to Tulsa and spent some time with them in the film room. So they were some, it's, it's not like this is just some random dude. They did their homework on him. It's just, he is certainly not the name. I could have named five guys and a few of them were still there. I, I, I never thought they were taking him at 24. Um. I thought it became well. I'm not gonna, you know. I feel kind of. I'm, I'm a little weirded out by the draft, which means you know, so many so-called experts out there that I kind of take it all in. I don't get too caught up in it. But this is all I'm saying is I'm not a guy who heard a lot about Tyler Smith up until the last day or two, and then yesterday morning, all of a sudden, everybody was like, "Oh, Tyler Smith, uh, that's the Cowboys' pick at 24." So at that point, you started doing some research. You're like, huh, I don't know that I've heard that name that much. Okay, what's the deal with that? Tulsa? Really? Huh, American Athletic Conference, eh? That's, uh, you know, that's not really big boy football. Uh, so we're going to take a first-round pick from there. Um, I think it's interesting that they said he was 16th on their board. They had 16 first-rounders on their board. So in their mind, he was the last of the first-round picks available probably. Um, and, you know, that's why they said they had him rated higher than, you know, Johnson or Devin Lloyd or whomever. Um, I think any frustration overall, like, geez, I mean, can this guy really come and help? You really have to temper with it's just a simple question to me. Do you trust Will McClay's judgment as a scouting director? And do you, you trust what, what, what his board is like? Because if you do, we say this all the time, bro. You can't spend millions of dollars putting your board together. All the man I was putting your board together, then get to the draft and not follow your board. Yeah, and I think that's fair. It's a valid point, and you're right. Will McClay has a, a history of doing some good things, especially in the draft. The Cowboys have drafted very well, as you pointed out, outside of Taco. You know, you look at their track record and, and the picks that they've drafted along the offensive line. Even before he got here, I mean, their last three offensive line picks in the first round were Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, and Travis Frederick. Is this guy going to turn into that? I don't know. I mean, they made a run up to the front of the room four years ago because they couldn't believe Connor Williams was there. And we, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and and we kind of know what that is. But again, like you said, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's more than earned that. And if they love this guy and they think that there's something to him, then... All they can do is is prove the frustrations wrong. Yeah, but boy, you know he's not going to be compared against the guys that they passed, as well as um, you know the other the other you know tackles and guards yeah. in the draft in terms of whether he's really a first round talent. And so it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating. It was a uh, it was a wild first round, and um, you know I think he said ultimately that there wasn't a guy that they were willing to trade up for to go get, and maybe that's because. You know, uh, guys went earlier off the board than they thought. Yeah. Meaning the other two offensive linemen. Uh, but, uh, you know, they filled a hole at left guard. That's what we all asked them to do. And so uh, now it, it goes from there. But uh, they got to go get a receiver. They still need a pass rusher. There's a lot of work to do, my friend. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do, and there's a lot of names on the board still. I mean, there are a lot of guys that are out there. I think a lot of people were stunned that N'Kobe Dean fell out of the first round. He's a guy that I thought was fantastic at Georgia. So, I, but what do I know? Again, I'm not some, I'm not watching the film like, oh, I get it. His hips right there, you know, can't have your hips do that. And then his knee is one degree <laughs> off. You know, I'm not doing that. I just watch these guys play and, and, you know, watching, especially guys in the SEC, man, like N'Kobe Dean was one of those dudes that it just seemed like he was always around the ball. I bet he'll go really early, though, in the second round. But I don't know. It, it's it, it's just weird. It, it was a very wild first round, as I think we kind of all figured it would be. Dude. And, again, and we had talked about this, man. I mean, the reality of it is, and I know how Steven said that, well, we decided not to trade down, and, and the guy I was on the phone with texted me immediately said, good thing you didn't trade because we would have taken him. You know, maybe that's true. Who knows? But I, I think, like we've talked about, if you've only got 14, 16 first-round picks, by the time you get to 24, 
okay, so one team had this guy rated 40th and you had him ranked 16th, whatever. You, all of you are still basically saying he's a second rounder. True that, true that. And, and if this yeah. is, a, and I thought about that. I was like, look, it may be frustrating if this is the guy that you want. He was not going to be there in the second round unless you moved around. Yeah, and I see, I think that's the other thing. Um, you know, some people will get up and go, oh, you could have got him in the second round. No, nah, no, nah, he wasn't going to be there in the second round. So don't delude yourself into that. If they wanted him, this is the spot they wanted to grab. And any of the guys that you wanted them to grab, whether it was Devin Lloyd or whether it was the Purdue defense, none of those cats were going to be around in the second round at 56. So whoever you grab, that's who you grab because he wasn't going to be there later. Yeah, and the reality of it is, man, I mean, it's – like the reaction the Patriots got when they took Cole Strange at 29th, and everybody's like, "Oh my God!" Like I didn't think he'd go in the top 100, and, and like I don't know if you saw the clip, Sean McVay and who is that Les Snead that's their GM there with the Rams, they're doing their post round or whatever draft conference while they're because they they didn't, were just sitting around, you know, they don't have anything to do, right? <laughs> and they're live. When the Patriots draft Strange, and they're like, oh, my God, Cole Strange just went. And McVeigh's <laughs> laughing. He goes, holy crap. He goes, I wish we hadn't wasted our time evaluating that guy. We thought we could get him at 104. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. McVeigh's just dying laughing. He's like, wow. But, again, what do we do anytime, like, the Patriots make a pick like that, and we go, well, it's Bill Belichick. He must know something. Dude. Well, you know, it's just – in a draft like this, which we've heard, and so, you know, man, you can't hear stuff for all this time and then just ignore it on draft day yeah. and draft weekend. What have we heard? It's a draft of very few, you know, great players and a whole lot of good players. And what's that mean? All that means is you and I can see the same guy and see him differently throughout this whole draft. And so it's going to be a lot because I guarantee you the Rams will draft somebody and some other team will be like, what the hell have those guys been smoking out there? Yep. And, no and, way they took that guy right there. And then, you know, somebody who doesn't even get make money off of evaluating draft talent will come out and be like, I had that guy in the fourth round. This is ridiculous. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God, how come you don't work for an NFL front office? <laughs> you should call all the front offices and be like, well, I had him in the third round, man. You guys are crazy. You should hire me. Yeah, but bro. I, I will say – the one thing that I really don't like about this pick, regardless of we trust you, Will McClay has done great, is even it feels like with the Cowboys and some of their post-draft comments, they kind of recognize this dude needs some work. He's got a hugely high ceiling, it feels like. And I just wonder, again, is he, like, he may be three years from now, he may be awesome. But what's he going to do for you next year? And I again... With their lack of movement in the offseason, their willingness to let Amari go, it, it almost feels like they're they're not they're looking past next season. No, I don't think so. I think that they they'll put him in there and they'll go. We managed to win twelve games with basically Connor Williams there. If he's a Connor Williams, if he's as good as Connor Williams, we can live with that for a year. And then three years from now, when Connor Williams is gone, then you know he'll still be Tyron Smith. You mean? I mean, when Tyron yeah, Smith yeah. is gone, you know, he'll still be here. And he'll still be a terrific player, blah, 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 blah. And so I think that's their approach. Like, we can live with him this year, and he'll get better, and we can still do what we need to do offensively with him at left guard while he's uh, learning the game and, and getting better. Well, that's the hope, man, because Tyler Smith is a pick, and now the Cowboys will dive into the second and third rounds. But before we kind of look at the rest of the draft, let's tell you about – a couple of our friends, man, there's a lot of good ones out there, and it doesn't get much better than Bruce Biltong. It really doesn't. I'm telling you, if you guys are listening to this and you have not tried Bruce Biltong yet, please go out and get a bag of it because I think you're going to love it. If you like beef jerky, you will love Biltong. It is a traditional South African air-dried meat, except I think both of us agree it's better. I mean, it's just better than beef jerky. It's savory. It's tender. It's a phenomenal snack. No, it's it's uh you forgot succulent, man. Juicy, mm. all of that stuff. It's uh it's it's weird because you're talking about a dried meat and you're normally thinking something like beef jerky is in between your teeth, it's kinda crunchy. But no, this is the exact opposite of it, man. It's fantastic. I like it because it's got thirty grams of protein in a two ounce pouch. I also rock with the slice built on. I mean it's 
It's terrific, man. It's one of the best snacks you can get. It really is. And and I enjoy it. I eat it often. I've, I've ordered it multiple times myself because I truly enjoy it. It's one of those snacks I like having around the house. And the good news is you go to bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com, and you enter the promo code JAM15 when you order, anytime you order. It's not just like, oh, first time only. No, anytime you order Bruise Biltong, use the promo code JAM15, and you'll get 15% off. Jam Session continues to be the first and the only podcast that they've ever worked with. And you guys have been so awesome that he he keeps helping us out, man. And, and that's great. So Jam 15, get your 15% off. Eat your biltong. Also, of course, JR and his guys over at Freeway Tire Shop. Anytime you've got a problem with your vehicle or you just need your normal maintenance that all cars need. It's, I mean, we all have to do oil changes and tire rotations and crap at some point. JR is the place to go, the mechanic you can trust. They stand behind their work, and it's why we talk about this all the time with you, Jacques. You've, you've got six cars, and at some point it feels like nonstop you have one over there with JR. <laughs> yeah, man, but it's, it's, uh, it's all good. And I keep taking my cars over there because uh, I ride with JR, man, because when you're talking about a mechanic, you just want somebody you can trust, bro, because most of us don't know how to fix cars. I mean, you're making some funny funky noise can you can you figure out what it is well that's what that's why you take it to freeway tire and jr man because he can you trust him to diagnose the issue then you trust him to use quality parts to fix it my big thing you trust him to charge you a fair price that don't always happen bro and then finally man you trust him to stand behind his work we know that doesn't always happen with mechanics so uh the four t's are important to me they should be important to you and that's why i ride with jr and freeway tire it's easy to get to, man, just north of downtown Dallas. It's Freeway Tire Shop online. You can schedule your appointment. You can request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So the rest of the first round, I mean, there's all kinds of things that happened in this first round last night. You had, for the first time since 1991, you had five straight defensive players go off the board in the first five picks. For the first time since 1997, we did not see a quarterback taken in the top 19 picks. There was only one quarterback selected in the first round. And that, of course, Kenny Smallhands Pickett, who stays in pit. <laughs> and he's going to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, it's fascinating. You can go back and, generally speaking, in the quarterback classes in which only one quarterback in, in, very, in like the last 25 years or so have been taken in the first round, uh, they end up being trash. Yeah. And, I, no. and the NFL is telling you, hey, if we don't think you're good enough for the first round, they're really telling you we don't think. I mean, yeah, something could happen and you could develop and, and you could turn into Andy Dalton, who's a second round quarterback. He's a solid starter, went to the playoffs multiple times. But they are telling you that the we really don't think you're on that level to be a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. And history has shown that you're not. I mean, yes, there's always a. A Russell Wilson outlier, a Dak Prescott outlier, a Tony Romo outlier, the obviously Tom Brady outlier. But those are all outliers every year. And Matt and I talk about this usually once a year. Go back and look at the projected starters at the start of the season before injuries and other stuff. And 90% of them are first-round picks. And 90% of those are guys taken in the top yeah. 15. And 90% of those are guys taken in the top 10. Or top five. Yeah, man. Because it's such a hard position. It is. It's just, it's super easy to go back and look at this. And, you know, you see what a weird and weak class this was. And, uh, I mean, I remember a week ago, people were like, oh, watch out for the Panthers at six. They might be taking. I was like, there nobody. I, I kept saying on my radio shows, like, nobody is going to take a quarterback in the top 10. Like, we've got to get past that. It, nobody is looking at these guys as top 10 picks. And if they're not, then I'll be curious to see how far they fall. And sure enough, Kenny Pickett's the first one off the board, the only one off the board at 20. This was a fascinating first round to me. It, it, just because of so many trades, so much movement, guys were all over the place. What uh, fascinated you the most? Probably the fact that the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. And I feel like now all of a sudden are significantly better with the weapons that they have with A.J. Brown and don't forget Devontae Smith, their first-round pick last year. They immediately right. signed him to a contract. I don't think anybody saw that coming last night. Nah, and dude, I'm probably going to write about this at some point this weekend. I'm going to put a timeline together because it just seems like 
all these receivers are getting moved, and they're getting moved for nice things. And the Dallas Cowboys moved their receiver for basically a six-round pick or whatever, yeah. something that's inconsequential. I mean, you see A.J. Green, I mean, yep. a, you know, he A.J. Brown is part of a deal to move up in the first round. You see Marquise Hollywood Brown goes for a first-round pick. I mean, it just seemed, you know, you've seen Devontae Adams. I mean, you've seen all these guys move for real capital. And you're just like, man, all y'all could get was a pick, a fifth or sixth round yeah. pick, and a pair of Jordans and a peanut butter sandwich for Amari Cooper. It's like, come on, man, who screwed that thing up? And I need to look at the timeline because off the top of my head while I was thinking about this, while all these moves were being made, I was like, I'm pretty sure they traded him before Christian Kirk. And when Christian Kirk got his deal with Jacksonville, it so messed up the numbers that everybody else was like, oh, you either got to pay your guy or you got to get rid of him because the status quo is not going to work. Yeah, and, and I agree with you, man, because you start talking about that. It, it's one of those things that looking back, it looks like a brilliant move by the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my God, yeah. Like genius move to the Cleveland Browns. And I see reports... So that was that was March 12th, it looks like, that, yeah, March 12th is where the report surfaced that the Browns had traded with, with Dallas to get Amari Cooper. And I don't think Christian Kirk was done before that. All right. So, I mean, that gives them some break, but they must be looking back like, oh, my God, we just wasted an asset and an opportunity. Yeah, man, I'm trying to see... What date? Well, you know what? Yeah, Christian Kirk would have been after that. All right. But well, still, so even then, bad man, luck. It is. It's just <laughs> one of those things. It's 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 stunning. But, you know, you talk about, okay, so the A.J. Brown trade and the Eagles, and, and I hate the Eagles. We're all aware of that. I thought they had a brilliant first round. The fact that they got A.J. Brown coming over and the fact that they also got Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia at 13, I thought the Eagles had a great first round. I thought another one, I mean, hell, there's another receiver on the move. The Ravens trading Hollywood Brown, who even Lamar Jackson got on Twitter and was like, what the, uh, what are you, what? <laughs> and now the Arizona Cardinals, who, oh, by the way, I think we all forget they already had DeAndre Hopkins. He yep. was hurt last year, but they've got D-Hop and he'll be back healthy. And now you're throwing Hollywood Brown next to that dude. I mean, it, it, it's amazing how... A lot of these other teams, and this, this again kind of plays back into the frustrations with the Cowboys to some degree. You see the aggressiveness of so yeah. many of these other teams around the league. I mean, again, in your own division, the Philadelphia Eagles went out and, and got A.J. Brown and immediately said, hey, you know what? We're going to throw, what do, you, what do you need for us to make this work? 25 a year, done. And then the Philadelphia yep. Eagles are like, you know what? We need to make sure we can get up and get the defensive guy we want to shore up this defensive line as Fletcher Cox ages. Go get Jordan Davis. And they made moves to go get that guy. Dude. And, uh, you know, the, the fallout of that is there's obviously been a lot of disappointment over Waxahachie's Jalen Rager um, yeah. in yep. Philadelphia. But now, if you keep him on the team, um, and he's your third receiver, uh, he may have more success because, what, he's not dealing with those first two cornerbacks anymore. And so even that can make your team better just because you slide them down a spot. Uh, you know, but, you know, they they now have two legitimate big-timers. I mean, it basically feels like the Cowboys last year when they had Amari on one side and CeeDee Lamb on the other, and you always felt good about, you know, whoever we're going to throw back. We got we got good receivers out there. So I'm with you, man. They they got better. I mean, hell, the Giants got a lot better. Dude, no doubt. I mean, the, the, the I mean, Giants got – some people thought Thibodeau was the best edge rusher in the draft. They got him. And then Evan Neal, which it was either him or Quanu or Charles Cross is the best left tackle in this class, and, and they right. got Evan Neal. I mean, they, they got what they believe will be their future stud next 10-year pass rusher and future stud next 10-year left tackle. Dude. Uh, and they got him on the offensive-defensive lines where mm -hmm. the games are won and lost. And so, you know, you try not to be jaded, and you understand that the offseason talent acquisition is 365 days a year, blah, blah, blah. But you look at it and you go, so your Dallas Cowboys let go of uh, two, you know, 40% of the starting offensive line, and then they, they let Randy Gregory go. And so they're getting worse on there because the guys that they replaced, you know, haven't improved yet. And 
you know, here, here's the Giants getting better. It just makes it more difficult, man. It makes, I think, your fan base a little more anxious, a little more anxiety because they don't see the improvement that you're looking for in terms of body-for-body body exchanges. Yeah, man, and it's, again, another one of the things that just – there were so many trades. I mean, we, we already knew eight teams had two first-round picks, and we knew there was going to be a lot of movement. But, my God, I mean, I'm just looking at this, scrolling back through it. I mean, trade after trade after trade of teams jumping around, trading down, trading up, moving around to get who they want. I will say another thing that really stood out to me is I think it's funny now looking back – that we were sitting there in some of the mock drafts that we did for fun. Oh, you know, here's Chris Olave or, or maybe Traylon Burks here at 24. And all six wide receivers went in the top 18 picks. I mean, when it started at eight, and I had that feeling, I said, man, now the fact that Drake London is off the board, I said, dudes are going to start like jumping in line to make sure they get the receiver they want. And I didn't guess right. I thought maybe the Chiefs or the Packers might jump up for Jamison Williams. It was the Detroit Lions instead who jumped up to 12 to take Jamison Williams. And it, it's all those guys, Drake London at eight. Then you saw Wilson, Olave, and Williams go 10, 11, and 12. Then you saw Dotson to the Commanders at 16. And then Traylon Burks, the Arkansas kid, after the Titans made that trade with the Eagles, they immediately replaced him with Traylon Burks. Dude, I was, uh, I was just like, wow. I thought there was a chance Burks might get to him, but dude, once once they started going, I was just like, "Jeez, yeah, so much for the wide receivers, especially when the three of them went in a row." And was that four out of five spots or something like that? And I was just like, "Well, the run has definitely started." Yeah, and anybody who wants one, they're they're off and running to go get them right now because they know that they aren't going to last to the to the twenties. You know, one team that always interests me a lot, too, is the Baltimore Ravens because they j- it feels like they are aware, like they somehow just do things the right way. And, and, you know, getting Kyle Hamilton and they got him. Some people thought he was a top five like level talent, but at safety, we'll see what he turns into. But the fact that he goes to Baltimore, it's like of all the teams in the NFL that would probably use that guy the best, Baltimore would probably be at the top of your list. And then they make that trade later on with Arizona to get rid of Hollywood Brown, and, and they end up getting the center that a lot of people thought the Cowboys might take and Tyler Lindenbaum. You know, man, the reason why, in general, the Ravens have been one of the NFL's best and most consistent teams over the last, ah, shoot, man, probably 20 years now almost, is that they just have they have a philosophy and an identity, and they understand who – and what they are exactly. And when you understand exactly who and what you are, you can let the moves come to you because you know exactly who and what you are and what fits. And you don't have to force it. You just make good, smart picks. And uh, you take the conservative route, the boring route, but it always works out for you for the most part. And uh, did again last night. That's why Harbaugh's been there. What has he been there, 14, 15 yeah, years? He's been there a long-ass time, man. A long time. And it, I, I will say this as well, and I don't know if it's going to work or not, but – I really like the aggressiveness from Jacksonville. I mean, they spent a ridiculous amount of money in free agency. Yeah, we were just talking about the Christian Kirk deal, and I don't think that he's worth that, but whatever. But the aggressiveness of what they're trying to do in Jacksonville, I mean, you look at this, they go out and they get Trayvon Walker, who, you know, everybody thought, oh, oh, Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson. Okay, cool. They like Trayvon Walker, whatever. But I also like the fact that they had the aggressiveness to trade back into the part of the first round at 27 to get Devin Lloyd, a guy that they wanted, didn't think he would be there at their pick in the second round, and so they decided to, t- to take that step and, and grab that guy on defense. Well, see, I think all of this leads to frustration when you look at your Dallas Cowboys yeah. because it's what we're talking about is everybody seems to be – I think the Rams have set the tone like, you know, even more than it had been trending that way. Let's go win now. Let's figure it out later. Let's go be aggressive about putting our team together. And so you see so many teams moving, being aggressive, grabbing guys that they've targeted, that they want, that it just feels different when your team is just sitting there. They let the draft come to them, and that's okay. But then they draft a guy, and you're just like, of all the guys out there, this is the guy, an injury-prone, I mean, a a penalty-prone dude from a group of five school. Ah, I mean, I guess it'll work out, but geez. 
Yeah, and, and, and again, if that is the pick, see, and I, I guess that's why sometimes when you listen to the way the Cowboys do things, you're like, oh, we had him higher than, than Kenyon Green, and, and we had him higher than Johnson. Well, if you, if you had him 16th and you liked him so much, you sure seemed cool as shit to wait for him to, well, hopefully he's there at 24. <laughs> we love him. And if not, that's okay. We'll just get another guy. I mean, to me, I'm like, really? Like, you you honestly felt that way about him, and when Penning went off the board at 19, you had to know that that Smith likely would be the next offensive tackle off the board. But you were, and that's the thing about the Cowboys sometimes, is they just, they're, they try and tell us, we had this guy, the blinking light, it was so, we had him rated here, but you, you felt so much love for him that you were just going to wait and see if he'd actually be there or not. Now, they would tell you, I would assume, that, you know, based on our mocks and stuff, we knew that these other teams in front of us at that point weren't going offensive line, so we felt good about him having him there uh, or, or whatever. But, I mean, it's just uh, there's there's so much angst tied to this organization right now because of their playoff failures. Uh, you know, I mean, we all know, man, that haven't been to the championship game since 1995 season. Uh, the disappointing exit from last year's playoff, the fade down the stretch against good teams where all of a sudden it just looked like poop. And all of that culminates with a draft pick at the first round when you go, geez, that doesn't really do anything to excite me. Yeah, and, and look, and we've talked about this before too. I mean, the reality of it is offensive lineman picks are never exciting. I don't recall anybody being stoked about the Zach Martin pick. Nobody was, like, thrilled when they took Travis Frederick. Nobody is. And I, I understand nope. that. It, it, so most of us, and by most of us, I'm putting myself in that group. I can't evaluate an offensive lineman. I mean, I know what they look for, but when I'm watching these guys play, I mean, that's the one position. It's like, okay, sometimes you can see this dude who's blocking, like, all the way down the field and is taking it to the second level or the third level sometimes. And, you, you know, you get, like, I get the punch they talk about and stuff like that, but – you know, a lot of the technical parts of offensive line, most of us, we can't watch football games and, and figure out, oh, technically this guy's doing this or that or, or really understand that, which is why offensive line picks especially. Offensive line is probably the least sexiest pick you can make. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And guard is the least sexiest of the least sexy picks you can make. I mean, you can get a left tackle. Yeah. You, you can get yourself excited about that. But ain't nobody really getting excited about a left guard or a right guard, bro. That's very true, man. And so <laughs> it, it's it's what it is. I, I think when you look at some of the other things from the NFL draft, and again, I was, it feels like we've talked about this, and everybody knows this. There are going to be guys in this draft who are colossal busts that were taken well ahead of Tyler Smith. There's going to be guys in this draft that are going to be really, really good players and, and maybe even turn into all pros that are taken way after Tyler Smith. The draft, to some level, is an absolute crapshoot. And you look, I mean, some of these teams that were aggressive and traded up and, and sacrificed draft capital, they traded up to draft the guy who's going to bust. We don't know who it's going to be. We just don't. And that's the thing with the NFL draft, man. And it's like I was talking about this the other day on the show. I was like, it's funny. You never hear anybody talk about how really half the draft classes, generally speaking, turn out to be average at best. True that. You know, all these draft prognosticators are all, oh, I love this guy. This guy, he's a first-round talent. He's got, yeah, okay, so he's a first-round. doesn't mean he's going to turn into anything. And now it's up to, like in Tyler Smith's case, now it's up to the coaches. Do you believe in this staff? Do you believe in this franchise to develop this guy? Because it's on them at this point. Dude, it's it's um, it's absolutely on them. And I, you know, I, I forgot to talk about this earlier, but you opened up the door to talk about it now. Do it. Um, for those of you, and I would throw Matt into this category, down on his pick, you should also look for whatever it's worth at a guy like Terrence Steele and go, hey, they took an undrafted free agent, got him developed, and playing to the point where. After he struggled a little bit early, we really didn't notice. If we're honest, we didn't really notice him that much the second half of the year when he played right tackle. And they turned him into a solid player, good enough that they got rid of Lyle Collins. And so that should give you some hope that from a developmental coaching standpoint, this guy got to have better tools than Terrence Steele. And so if you can take that, take those tools, take his ability to learn and all that stuff, that you can have a, a solid player this year 
and a guy that you hope will be, you know, Pro Bowl caliber down the road? I hope so, and, and time will tell at this point. But You don't sound convinced, bro. I, I'm not convinced, no. <laughs> Certainly not. I, again, the thing that really, really concerns me it, it, after all this, and one thing I think that really jumps off the page, and we know this, the amount of penalties, and like you said, okay, well, why did this happen, and, and what can we go back, and, and maybe McCarthy's right, and, and they can teach him out of that, but you're coming from Tulsa, you're not exactly going up on a week-to-week basis against NFL-level pass rushing, and you have to hold. Right. True that. True so that. that, to me, is one of those things that, it, that like, why? Why did you have to hold? Why did you commit so many penalties all the time? What is it about what you do? And like you pointed out earlier, maybe the Cowboys saw that and like, oh, we can teach him this, and he'll stop doing that immediately. Well, again, it's on them, and we'll find out. Dude, it's uh, and we're gonna find out soon. It ain't gonna take long, um, you know, to find out soon. And you know, Lyle Collins was really impressive when you looked at his rookie tape um, and watched his development, especially when he was playing guard before he got moved to tackle. And so, I don't think it'll take long, man. First round pick, even in, in the, at the twenty fourth pick, they got a flash when they show up. They gotta be walk in starters, good players, and it, it won't take long, man, to see what he's got, what he's got about him. It's, it's just what, again, it's just a non-sexy pick. And it's what it is, and develop him, Cowboys. Turn us all wrong and make him be the fourth consecutive first-round offensive lineman that's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. Prove us all wrong. <laughs> we'll see. Or, you know what, hell, just be a starter that's better than Connor Williams, and maybe we can all live with that. And, and again, like we talked about this a little bit already, but you look around the division, there is no doubt the Eagles got better. I, I, and I hate the Eagles, but I love I loved the moves for the Eagles that they made in the first round last night. And obviously, A.J. Brown was a trade. I, I'm no Giants fan, but I think if you are, you got to be stoked about what they did. And quite honestly, Washington needed to get a wide receiver. I thought if it was me, I would have rather have had somebody else than Dotson, but they like Jahan Dotson. They think he's the guy. And so they made a move in trading down, and they still get a receiver to pair with Terry McLaurin and give Carson Wentz. They had to get another receiver, and now they've done that. And so I feel like it's a lot easier for us to look at those guys and say on paper, I would say the other three teams got better than what the Cowboys have done so far. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man, because the guys that they got are guys that you see coming in making real big-time impact. Uh, now you should say, well, you know, how many times does the left guard make an impact? Well, we'll see. Uh, when he's lined up against Jordan Davis, you know, when they play Philadelphia twice a year, can you get third and one with Zeke running off his butt? Oh, you know what I mean? It yeah. won't take long. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of good things to like about Tyler Smith, his athleticism. He's a really good run blocker and all this other stuff. He's young. Yeah. Uh, athletic. And He's so, huge. So. Yeah, so maybe we'll see all of that, and uh, our concerns will be uh, stymied after a while. But initial feel, man, it's just they could have got more bang for their buck. And maybe that's what it is. You just felt like even at 24 you could have got more bang for your buck. But the Cowboys are telling us, hey, he was the 16th player on their board, so they got plenty of bang for it. Yeah, they did. They did indeed. And and we'll turn our attentions. You know, you look at day day two coming up. Many of you are going to listen to this here Friday, Friday afternoon, rounds two and three tonight, rounds four through seven tomorrow on Saturday. And it's like the drafts that we've done. You, you need to get a wide receiver. There's a lot of good names that are still out there at wide receiver. John Mechie from Alabama, if they wound up with him in the second round, I'd love him. George Pickens from Georgia is a beast. He's got some red flags, but that dude is, is an absolute beast of a wide receiver. Uh, I would prefer them over a guy like Sky Moore, who is more of a slot guy. He's an undersized dude who also played at a small school. Tight end, you think, is probably on the board at some point today, perhaps. Yeah, the kid from Colorado State, uh, Trey McBride or Jimmy Ruckert, your Ohio State guy, I think is, is a likely more of a round three look. Edge rusher, we got Sam Williams when we were doing our mocks. A third round probably guy at, at edge if you're looking there. And, you know, we'll see. But there's still a lot that the Cowboys can pull out of this draft, and they've got to hit a home run because they need these dudes at second in the second and third round to be able to come in and make an impact. Well, you know, over the past few years, they, they haven't had a lot of success with second-round guys coming in. Uh, 
and being mm-hmm. anything more than just guys. Uh, obviously, Trayvon Diggs is good. But before then, you know, Connor Williams was, was just kind of sort of a guy, even though expectations were a lot higher for him. Uh, and then they've they've missed on some. So second round pick is really where they need a guy to walk in, start, and just be that guy right off the bat. I mean, it's the 56th player in the draft. He's literally got to come in and give you something. Yeah, they do. So it's going to be an exciting weekend. I'm still stoked. Very curious to see what they do tonight and because and this is where we'll see if all these draft prognosticators and everything that we heard from the Cowboys and other teams are saying it too how much depth is there going to be as we move into the where the Cowboys pick late in the second round and and on into the third round where some of these names and some of these guys that were really good in college you know who's still going to fall down there who's going to be available and, and where will they go and then Saturday, whatever. I mean, just hopefully you can draft guys that can make the team. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. I think that's a good way to put it, man. Uh, and maybe, you know, they've been good down there, bro. So it's it's special teams help. It's depth. And it's guys who you hope can uh, not just make the team, but hang around for three or four years and provide the, the real good special teams depth down the road. See, I'd be a horrible general manager in the NFL because I would never, ever keep a seventh-round pick. I would trade my seventh-rounder every single year. Hopefully, (laughs) no, I'm serious. Like, hopefully to some team that was desperate enough, like, oh, we've got to get this guy in the seventh round, and they'd give me a sixth-rounder for the next year even. And I I would never keep a seventh-rounder. I mean, those guys, they never make the team, and when they do, it's, it's it's for nothingness. Okay, so let me ask you this. So why is there so much consternation after the draft about getting these unsigned free agents? See, I wonder that too. And, you know, and if you're a player, and you know this, but if you're a player, you don't want to get drafted in the seventh round. You'd rather go undrafted so you can pick where you want to go. Absolutely. Every time and twice on Sunday. Actually, you know what? I That'd be an interesting, not that, I mean, that would take a lot of work, so maybe I can do it by the time next year's draft rolls around. But I'd be curious to see of under, undrafted free agents the hit rate on those and what you're bringing in versus guys you draft in the seventh round, just because generally speaking, guys can choose where they think a good opportunity is for them. And sometimes those undrafted free agents, they're like, Hey, if I go here, I can show what I can do a lot better than if I were to, I've gotten drafted over here. Well, hell, why did Tony Romo come to the Cowboys right, and say right. going to the Broncos? He looked at the quarterback situation and said, Oh, it's a lot easier, a lot better chance to compete in Dallas than there is in Denver. So I'll take 10,000 instead of 20,000. Sign with Cowboys and, uh, you know, give it a whirl. Yeah, so there you have it, man. Round one of the NFL draft in the books. And uh, we'll see what the Cowboys decide to do here on Friday night and into Saturday. I I will tell you this, though. If you discover this weekend that you have noticed some cracks in your ceiling, in your walls, some sloped floors, doors are starting to stick when you're opening and closing them, that could be your house telling you, hey, we, we got a little foundation issue here. If that is the case, I'm going to tell you, you have got to reach out to HFX Foundation Solutions. They service the entire North Texas area. They can take care of you wherever you are in DFW. And man, foundation is not something you want to sit on and wait because it'll just get worse and it'll cost you way more money the longer you wait. No, you know, this soil here in Dallas, in Texas, is real, real shady. So you need to keep a close eye on that. Make sure that uh, your house is stable, that everything's good. And the best way to do that is to give Aaron and his team a call. Let them give your house a once-over. We call it a colonoscopy for your house. And let them give you the peace of mind that comes with having your house have the one the once-over, man. Uh, do that. doesn't cost anything for them to come out there and check it out. And uh, hopefully, if they do find something, they catch it early. And then, obviously, it's just a fraction of the cost as you catch it late. So give Aaron and his team at HFX a call and let them give you the peace of mind that comes with knowing your house is all good. That's right. It is free, no obligation inspection. They will come on out. If you have a problem, they'll be with you all the way through it, man. It's local. It's family-owned. HFXFoundation.com. Give them a call at 817-770-0174, 817-770-0174. You can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So we will wrap this up here. It's a, it's a quick one today, just trying to get it out, mainly for our Cowboys thoughts and, and NFL draft thoughts. But we have to mention the Dallas Mavericks because for the first time since 2011, the Dallas Mavericks have advanced past the first round They take down the Utah Jazz four games to two, wrapping it up in Utah last night. 
They will go on to face the number one seed, probably, not probably, the best regular season team in the NBA this year. The Phoenix Suns await in round two. They'll start that series on Monday. But this Mavs team and the way they're playing right now, I put nothing past them. Nah, man, because, and this sounds crazy, it all starts with defense, bro. And if you're going to play good defense, what have we said? Defense travels. Defense is with you every day, every game, because all it is, as we know, is just about effort and commitment. And so if they're going to play good defense, they got a shot. And here's the other thing. And can I tell you why I'm so glad that there's a uh, that they won the first round and they're on to the second round? Because now – not that I not not that my mind would change all that much. I just want another sample size. Now you can really see for one more stretch of games, six or seven games minimum, we hope. What is Jalen Brunson? Was last year just was last was the Jazz series just a good matchup for him? And he was on kind of a little roll. Yeah. Or or is this like who he is now? Like he's like Oh, this is what I do. I come out and get you 18 most nights, 20, 22 if you need me, whatever. And I do it with efficiency and, you know, six assists and one turnover. Is that really like who he is? And going up against the Suns, and their backcourt, obviously, with future Hall of Famer Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, if he could do this for another series, bro, then to me, win or lose, you'll feel good about giving him the – you know, extra year on his deal so he can bring him back, hopefully, and really let him and Luca, you know, be your guys and play off of them with three and D guys everywhere else. Yeah, it's that's very true because we are about to find out a little bit of what this is going to be with him. And it's just a great opportunity, too, with these guys, especially Chris Paul. Man, the Suns, Devin Booker, if he can't go, and he misses the entire series, I, it, it feels like it it opens the door for the Mavs. I mean, otherwise, I would think the Suns are a better team. Doesn't mean the Mavs can't beat them. But no. I do believe that this is going to be a very good series, and I think the Mavs can beat this Phoenix team. I really do. And if they can do uh, that, if they get past Phoenix, th- this whole thing's wide open for them. All right, now, Devin Booker, he played 32 minutes last night, so he's playing against the Mavericks. Okay, yeah, I didn't uh, see that he played last night, so he's yeah. totally fine then. Yeah, 32 minutes, 5 of 12 from the field, 1 of 6 on threes, 5 rebounds, 13 points. Um, so, he, you know, and now he's got five days off, so he'll be basically He'll be fine, 100. yeah. Yeah, it's, this is their team. And they've beaten the Mavericks nine straight. Uh, but, again, I tell y'all that I don't really – I don't really count – I didn't really count the history against the Jazz because it was a different regime, different teams and stuff. And I really only count – what they've done, check this out, Matt, <laughs> really since the first of the year against Phoenix. Uh, because you got a new coach, you got different dynamics. This is not the same team that lost to uh, Phoenix a couple years ago or last year. The dynamics with Jason Kidd have been completely changed. So I throw out, you know, the other stuff, um, and it doesn't matter to me. Only thing that matters to me is, uh, you know, will the Mavericks come with the same belief that they can win? And if they do, it'll be a good series, bro. It should be a good series. I'm excited about it. I, hell, you know, again, and, and we've mentioned this before, my whole thing is I wanted the Mavs to win, this, get out of the first round. Get Luka that experience of winning. Show that you're with the franchise that can win, that can be a competitor in the West. And the fact that they were able to do that and take down the Jazz and the way that they've done that. You mentioned Jalen. You know, and you, you look at what Jalen and Luka did as a pair last night. And everything they've done in this series, you know, Dinwiddie off the bench. He had a couple of big threes last night in important times. This is a good Mavericks team. And and Phoenix may just be a better team right now, but this is a really good Mavericks team. And I think we're learning a lot about where the future of this thing can go. No, I mean, I think that's that's exactly what we're doing. And this is how it starts. This is how your playoff experience starts. In the NBA, it's rarely that you show up and win a title. It's just rare that it happens. Usually it's a stepping stone process or a stair-step process. And that's why it's important for Luka to get the first one. Because like we said, man, did the Jazz look like a better team to you? No, No. not not at any point, no. And they were fading down the last quarter of the season. They were playing worse and worse. The Mavericks were literally one of the two or three best teams in the NBA 
from January. And so it just felt like you should win this series, man. And they've been playing such good basketball. They have a superstar. They have a budding star in Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, not, not to me, it's really just about belief. Do you in your heart believe that you can run with the Suns? And if you do, then you'll give them, you know, you'll give them a series. Um, think about it, bro. Utah won the first game by like four, and they needed a four-point rally to get the last game that they won in the last 39 seconds. Yeah. Um, and Mavericks did that without Luka playing the first three. So, dude, they got rest. They got time. Um uh, let me put it like this, bro. Phoenix ain't like, oh, yeah, we get to play the Mavericks. No, not at all. I, not at all, man. They ain't thinking that at all, bro, because this team is uh, this team is good, man. They really are good. good. They are good. And, and looking at Phoenix's score, like I didn't see any of that game last night at all. I mean, I was traveling, as many of you know. I'm, I was at the airport trying to watch the draft and did not see any, not one second of Phoenix last night. And just looking at the box score now, seeing not just Booker playing the 32 Chris Paul was perfect last night he 14 of 14 from the field right that's impressive that's not bad for a dude who's what 102 <laughs> no nah, he's a great player bro so th- I think it's going to be a fun series I'm I'm excited ready for it. it it's it's cool that they have advanced and they finally got to this point and again it's it sucks that all these other teams end up being like way out west because it's a nine o'clock tip on Monday night for game one. Game two is going to be late as well. I'm sure it's another nine o'clock tip for game two on that is on what's Wednesday on TNT, both games one and two. So they're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. And then right now, game four is slated for next Saturday where they would do a back to back on games three and four, which is bizarre. Dude, that is bizarre. I don't know why they why would they do that? I was just looking at this. That is really odd. Uh in the no NBA idea. in the playoffs, why would you have a back to back in the NBA playoffs? No idea. Maybe I, so, I mean, I don't know. No, I was just looking at the schedule and I Okay, yeah. All right, that was wrong. That one web ESPN has it wrong. I went to basketball reference. I was like, let me double check this. And it's it's so they'll play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday, the eighth. ESPN has them playing the seventh, and that's not the case according to basketball reference. It's every other day. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's what it'll be. So Monday and Wednesday in Phoenix, games one and two, both tip at nine o'clock. So before we wrap it up, so last night talking about traveling. It, <laughs> so I get to the like I'm watching the draft we're at Celestial Beer Works there in Dallas and I'm, I'm watching the draft while we're playing trivia I have to leave go to the airport I get dropped off I, I get through security pretty quick and I'm just sitting there watching the draft kid you not as we get closer to the Cowboys it gets closer and closer to my boarding time and I'm like come on <laughs> like you got to be kidding me then it gets to a point, I'm like, my group is being called. I have to get up. I'm standing in line and just hitting refresh as fast as possible on Twitter. And the Cowboys somehow end up making their pick like while I'm walking down the little tunnel thing. So I didn't, get even, I didn't even get to see them make their pick live. I'm just on Twitter like trying to figure out what the hell's going on. I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then not only that, not only does that happen to me, you take Tyler Smith. I can't even get excited while I'm in the tunnel with everybody else, and I'm trying to high-five random strangers for the Cowboys pick. Well, let me ask you this. You seem agitated that, uh, as you're flying southwest that somebody from the B group was, was boarding with Oh, the my group. God, yes. And you know, Matt's a stickler for this because, like, <laughs> I like am. You're, 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 you're wantonly violating the rules and trying to cheat. If you want to be in the A, either sign up earlier yeah. and get your ass there earlier. Exactly. Thank you. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, that's my boy. So I, I kind of, I know what his mindset is, but to hear it go. So I want to hear the story because Matt's the kind of guy who would say something. I did say something. You're right. Oh, okay, t- I will tell t- the story. Tell us then. the story. Tell us the story. All right. So Wednesday evening, I get dropped off and I'm at the airport. I have my, I'm B18. And most of the time, like on Southwest, it's open seating, but you get seated by groups. And so, right. you know, they do B1 through 30, then 31 through 60, and A goes first, of course. Now, to get A, like the, at the front of A, you got to pay. 
you know, you're a Southwest preferred or you've paid extra for early bird ticket. That's like a one through 30. Okay. So I'm sitting there and I have no problem. I've, I've never gotten a without paying for it in my life. And I check in, like you can check in 24 hours before I'm, I'm good. I'm standing there. Well, you can see people, you know, you've got your boarding pass out and most people now have it on their phone or, or some people still have the paper ticket. Your group number and, le- and letter is very bold in the center of a boarding pass. So you can look over at anybody and see, I mean, they've got it in their hand, what number it is. And most people will talk, you know, like, hey, what number are you? Oh, you're 16. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm right behind you. You know, like, oh, you're 18. Yeah. And, and people will come up in line. And generally speaking, that's yes. how it goes. Well, I start looking at them like, there is no way that many people are in a group. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm standing there. And so the first chunk of A boards, and then we all and B fill up. And I'm watching a couple of them walk by. I see blatantly, literally B-17, the guy who is supposed to be in front of me, is walking in with A group. Right, right. And I just, I did say something. What did you say? Well, I'm standing there in line. I go, oh, cool. So we're just letting the Bs board with the As now, huh? And everybody, like a couple of people looked at me, I go, I'm, a couple of those people just walked by, had B on their boarding pass, and we're all standing here waiting to get on. I was like, if we're not going to, I was like, if it doesn't matter what we, what order we get in, I'm let us all on the plane right now. <laughs> and I saw the gate agent look at his ticket and then look at him and she just kind of shrugged and scanned him and let him in. And I was like, okay. I was like, that to me becomes a Southwest problem. Like this guy did something, wanted to see if he could. Southwest obviously doesn't give a shit. So you're not. It you made me it say, well, okay, why don't when you oh, we're now calling pre-board and I'll just go, well, why can't I get on now? You, uh, if you obviously don't care. The gate agent had no interest in the confrontation of telling a dude, go back and wait. Apparently. And, and I mean, you know me, I couldn't let it go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking down and I'm getting on the plane. I see that guy specifically, the one guy, and right. he's sitting in the very first row. And I just look at him and I go, it's cool that you boarded with A. <laughs> and he just stared at me and didn't say anything. I just shook my head at him. And I, even then, I'm walking down, and, and the flight attendants, you know, they're so nice to you when you're getting on, and, and they're like, hey, welcome to Southwest, uh, you know, welcome aboard, whatever. And I just told one of them, I go, kind of weird how many people got on the plane for A group, isn't it? <laughs> and she just looked at me and laughed. I was like, I mean, are we just going to let anybody board when they want to now? She goes, yeah, it's not up to me. No, yeah, it is up to you. I know, and I, but yeah, so... Yeah, but I mean, like, it's they're like, not paying me for the smoke that comes from that. It, yeah, pretty much. But it, I, again, you know, it's like the people that will go to the grocery store and they've got forty-two items and it says ten or less. Bro, I knew you were. I knew you were going to say. It. I <laughs> knew you were going to say. It's it. the same thing. Because it's true, people are just in general are assholes. Yes, you know, like again, and this is, and you know this, and this is what you're talking about. I, I am not better than anybody else. And I, I can't stand when somebody thinks that the rules don't apply to me. Like I expect you to do what you're doing. So that'll allow me to go ahead and board right now. Yeah. Like that's yeah. shitty. Yeah, it is. The rules apply to everybody but me. Right. And, and it, <laughs> right. Because it's like, I kept telling people online. I was like, well, again, if they're not going to enforce it, then why are we standing here waiting to be called to board? We can just go up and board whenever we want. Right. And people go, why are you being a jerk? Why are you just. Yeah. And I, and I could tell somebody's looking at me like, why isn't this guy just shut up? I'm like, oh, I'm the asshole. Right. I point out the injustices and it's me. <laughs> Don't. It's not the injustice. It's the guy who wants to let everybody know something's wrong here. That's the asshole. Bro, absolutely. I thought you knew. God, it happens all the time. You know, like, hey, man, not quite 10 items there, huh? You know, and then people look at you like, oh, my God, he said something. Oh, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with me? You got fucking 42 items on the checkout counter. Bro. God. Bro, bro, Man, we got me bro, fired up at eight whatever in the morning. Dude, I knew. I knew. Once, once I saw that, I knew that. <laughs> I know, and I passively, I was, aggressively tweet at Southwest. Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot I was about laughing that. laughing all about that last night. <laughs> yeah, I was fired up, man. And I said, I said at least five different things to five different people. <laughs> Including the violator, you know, hey, man, man, you know, if as as my father would say, if somebody's going to be unhappy, it's not going to be me. So get it off the chest. Very true. And and I sometimes I my hope is that even if the situation doesn't get rectified, then that that dude is so embarrassed that somebody said something to him that maybe moving forward, he won't do that anymore. True that, you know, 
that would be great. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't think anybody would notice. And, and he's sitting there. He's like, oh, my God, that guy literally said some people are looking at me. <laughs> I'm t- when you don't mind people staring at you, because I don't care. You know, I'm, you can't publicly embarrass me. It doesn't matter to me. Right. That is very powerful to put on somebody else. Most people hate that. Shame goes along. You can shame people into doing the right thing. <laughs> um, yeah, you can, bro. They're like, fine, I'll, I'll put all 42 of these items back in my cart. I'm sorry. I'm like, it's cool, man. You probably just can't read. I know. I mean, uh, You know, it's not your fault. I'm like, well, you see right there underneath the, the light where it says 10 items or less, and then did you count? Yeah, okay. So that line over there, you can just go to that one. <laughs> yeah. You know? Jackass. Loser. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's why you listen to Jam Session, man. We're setting the world right. Hell yeah. We are righting the wrongs, which is why the Cowboys shouldn't have drafted Tyler Smith. <laughs> the perfect bow to wrap it all up. See, I'd be, I'd be the guy in the Cowboys drafting. I'm like, guys, really? I mean, Devin Lloyd's here. <laughs> you you know? know? I mean, there's other guys we don't have to draft. Well, he, I mean, he's 16 on our board. Anyway, there it is, man. I hope everybody enjoys this one. We're going to get it out and enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And we will have quite the podcast, I would imagine, on Sunday that will drop on Monday for you guys, going all the way back through everything the Cowboys do. So be ready for that on Monday morning because it's going to be fired up and we'll have a lot to talk about then. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.